Good morning, good morning. Am I on? Can you all hear me fine? Excellent, good. Glad you all are here this morning. Welcome to everybody who's checking in online. We've got some good stuff to go over today. We're going to be continuing on in Andrew Womack's discipleship class, but I want to open up with prayer because I need prayer this morning. It's been a hectic morning for me, so I'm just going to take a moment and just get in front of God and just let him have control of today, okay? Lord, we just thank you for this time this morning as we come together to learn about your word and how to study your word. We just ask that you bless this lesson, that your, your words will not go out and, and return to you void. Put your blessing on this lesson, on everybody who hears it, both here at church and at home online. And we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, good. Now, this morning we're going to be talking about how to meditate on God's word. And honestly, I've heard people talk about that. I've heard teaching on it and everything, but I really didn't know what that encompasses or what that means. So we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning. I hope it's something useful to you and you can put into your daily practice. So we'll start off with the word meditate. What does the word meditate mean? It means to muse over, to plan in the mind, to ponder, to purpose, or to intend. The Greek word implies to revolve something around in your mind. You've heard people say, roll that over in your mind. Same idea. It's also translated to imagine. That's an interesting concept, to imagine. Okay, so it's interesting that we talk about uh, meditation, and he talks about different ways to study the Bible, and he sort of gets into a little thing about how important it is to understand the words that you're reading. And so in doing so, uh, second paragraph of the lesson says, two reasons for biblical mediation. And it's supposed to be meditation. So there's a typo. I'm just that kind of person, anal. I pick out typos in everything I read. So there's a typo in the first line of the second paragraph, and it changes the meaning of the whole paragraph. And so that is also true in the Bible, that if you don't understand a specific word in the line or in the, in the verse or the chapter, you probably won't understand that verse or that chapter. So we don't have biblical mediation. We have biblical meditation. Two reasons for biblical meditation are to ponder over correct knowledge. And that's an important concept that pretty much assumes that the worldly knowledge that you have is not correct. So the word is the truth. So when you meditate on the truth, you're pondering correct knowledge. And uh, it says that it's also referred to as renewing the mind. So that's what we talk about when we say we're renewing the mind, that you're pondering correct knowledge and you're going to correct yourself by aligning yourself with God's word. It's also referred to as renewing the mind and to contact God behind his word. That's kind of an interesting way of saying it. It means finding God behind the words. In other words, what's driving those words in that scripture. This thing has given me trouble this morning. So two reasons for biblical meditation, to ponder over correct knowledge and to contact God behind his word. Remember that. You're going to be quizzed on this later. Meditation can be done from topical study, meaning choosing a topic to ponder over. For example, baptism. Define the word from the Greek, the Hebrew, or just a good dictionary. Find the root word from which it is derived. Consider and ponder the context of the verses that will lead you to study other related subjects, such as remission, as in the remission of sins, 
repentance, faith, and conscience, and calling on the Lord, which can be found in scriptures. You need to ponder questions that you have or that the scriptures raise. So in other words, don't just read and say, hmm, I wonder what that means and go on. Follow that. What does that mean? Go look it up. Research it. There's a lot of good websites out there that will allow you to type in words or phrases or verses and they'll give you Greek, Hebrew. They'll give you every breakdown and the definition and the derivatives of all those words. So you need to ponder questions that you have or that scriptures raise such as, are there qualifications to be met before baptism? What is the purpose of baptism? When is it practiced? And in what time frame? Meditation can be done from expositional study. And that simply means verse-by-verse -verse study of a book of the Bible. The key is to ponder and think over a book for so long that you become intimately familiar with its content, both chapter and verse. That's not a short thing. That's not meditation for 10 minutes. You're talking about maybe meditation for months at a time. You may have something on your heart. For instance, maybe you're feeling a call to get baptized. You're not sure what that is. Tongues is a good one. We just talked about tongues not too long ago. A lot of questions about tongues. There's a lot of bad juju out there. There's a lot of untruth. There's a lot of half-truth. So if you have questions, you need to ponder over. Find scriptures and verses that talk about that and meditate on that for a long period of time until you become intimately familiar with what the Bible says about it. It's also really helpful when you're out in the world and people ask you questions. You know, and People will have all kinds of really crazy interpretations of what they've been taught or heard about the Bible. It's good to have that knowledge so that you can come back as a strong witness. Meditation can be done through word studies. What do certain words mean? And what does it mean to believe? What does the Lord mean? Um, what does the word Lord mean? And what does the word Jesus mean? What does the word Christ mean? What does the word justify mean? So I wrote down a great example. This is an example I had in a communications class years and years ago. And I'm going to give you this, this is a little pre-quiz. So I'm going to read you a sentence and you think about what the meaning of that sentence is. This is to highlight the importance of words. The temperament of the students changed dramatically after the corpuscule arrived. <laughs> what does that mean? The temperament of the students changed dramatically after the corpuscule arrived. I took that and I said, ah, it's probably a teacher or a disciplinarian or something of that nature. But no. Anybody know what corpuscule means? No idea. Me neither. So th the important... Huh? Google knows. <laughs> I, I wonder, because I had a hard time finding that word. So uh, it just highlights the importance that that one word means, if you don't know what corpuscule means, you don't know what that sentence is talking about. And now if there's a whole paragraph talking about that subject, you don't understand that paragraph. And if that's at the beginning of a chapter, guaranteed you're probably not going to know what that chapter means. Or you might make an assumption. They're talking about teachers. So the students probably changed when the teacher came in the room and blah, blah, blah. So now you've got this twisted interpretation in your mind and you never really found out what that word means. It's very important. Corpuscule means evening. Evening. So the temperament of the students changed dramatically after the evening arrived. Probably going to talk about how they're tired and they calmed down and went straight to sleep after a long day of work. It'll change the meaning entirely of what you were thinking in your mind. That was a good one. You can write that down. I won't even, I won't even <laughs> charge you for that. How do you spell 
Uh, well, we'll get to that. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a, a copy here after a little while. But, um, so what do certain words mean? So when you start studying Scripture, if there's a word you're not sure of, even if you think you might know, which I certainly did. I'm not a corpuscle means teacher. I'm pretty smart. Even if you think you know. I had an English teacher, freshman year in high school, always said, any time you open a book to read, have a dictionary next to you. I mean, I think my parents paid 10000 for my high school education. That was probably the most important thing I learned. I still do that today. Every time I open a book, I have a dictionary next to me or Google. So uh, you can meditate from paragraphs in the Bible. A paragraph is a unit of thought in writing. And, I, you know, as, you, as I've been studying writing and reading and things like that throughout my years of study, uh, writing has gotten worse. And I feel like people don't really understand the, the mechanics of it. And so paragraphs seem to be willy-nilly. And in terms of blogs, there aren't really even paragraphs anymore. There's tweets and, and all that twits and stuff that it's just short little blurbs, you know. So people don't necessarily understand paragraphs anymore. A paragraph is a unit of thought in writing, usually containing several sentences. When an author changes the subject of emphasis in their writing, they will usually begin a new paragraph. When meditating through scriptures, look for punctuation, such as question marks. Why is the question being asked? Who's asking the question? How does it relate to the context? Biblical meditation is not just looking at words, but looking for God behind the words. So, I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to call on you randomly to answer those questions. So I hope you paid attention today. Corpuscule means evening. Okay, brownie point over here. Okay, uh, <laughs> what does the word meditate mean? Harley, what's the word meditate mean? What were some of the words we used? I used a bunch at the beginning. How about to muse over, to ponder, to revolve it around in your mind? That's important to remember that visual concept, rolling it around in your mind. What are two reasons for biblical meditation? Let's see, who's my next victim? <laughs> George, you're sitting right here. You're sitting right here, George. How about this one? What are two reasons? Let's see if I can get you on the, I'll get you on electronically to embarrass you. What are two reasons for biblical meditation? There were two specifics. I don't remember what the specific ones were, but if you always keep God's word in front of you, you're always keeping him in front of you, so you're showing him priority. We talked about renewing the mind. What was that? To keep the knowledge in front of you. Ponder correct knowledge, because mm -hmm. the Bible's truth. It's going to give us correct knowledge. So there was another one. We're not just looking at the words. We're looking at what's driving those words. What, would, what do we call that? We're looking for something behind the words. The meaning of them? We're looking for God behind the words. So not just reading the words, but God's intent, perhaps, behind the words. Thank you, sir. How about what is a topical study? I forget your name. What's your name again? Deb. I'm sorry. Deb. What's topical study? <laughs> I swear I paid attention. <laughs> topical. To study a topic. That's right. <laughs> study it by topic. For instance, what is baptism? Right. We go by topic, which could be broad. It can lead us through many different chapters or books of the Bible. It won't just be in one verse. It will be in multiple verses. So like hope. Indeed. Or love. Indeed. We study those periodically. 
I know I do. I typically do topical studies. Okay. Uh, what is an expositional study of the scripture? Daniel? What's expositional study of the scripture? <laughs> As opposed to topical. Mm -hmm. It's quite the opposite. Topical is very broad. What would expositional be? It's finding out like the specific meaning of even, uh, even one specific, even going down to even one specific word. Yes. Finding out the actual meaning of something rather Correct. than just studying it. It's going to be a line by line. Sorry. Line by line study of the Bible. Expositional study is a line by line or verse by verse study of the Bible. It exposes Indeed. It exposes the verses. Okay. Um, I'm going to read to you a scripture and then I'm going to ask you a short question on it. This is good. This is good stuff right here. Uh, read Luke 6.46. So I will read that. You don't necessarily have to put that up, but go ahead. Luke 6.46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things, and, and do not the things that I say? So, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So the question relating to this is, what do you think the word Lord means? Rachel, what does the word Lord mean? What George said, master. Master? Yes, that's, that's the word I have. Someone who commands. I was thinking commander. You do not do the things that I say. Uh, the answer that he gives in the scripture, or in the lesson here is someone we obey, like a boss. Yes, good. <laughs> yeah, I've never really heard Jesus or God called the boss before, but I guess that's fine. <laughs> All right, uh, question six. Read Matthew one We'll read that together here. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the question is, what do you think the word Jesus means? Nicole, what does the word Jesus mean? Don't tell me boss either. Gosh, there are just so many meanings. <laughs> This one would be someone who saves people from their sins. Someone who saves people from their sins, or in short, a savior. Indeed. Okay. Uh, read Luke 23, verse 1 and 2. And that says, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ. A king. The question is, what do you think the word Christ means? Son of God. What did we say right in the scriptures? He said Christ, king. Oh, king. King, exactly. Indeed, so Christ means king. We've also talked about it meaning other things, but in this context, king. Okay, <laughs> these are really specific, so I, I'm not sure I would expect you to remember these, but... What is a paragraph? Jade, what's a paragraph? A unit of thought in writing. A student. <laughs> a student right there. Wow. Is your handwriting really neat too? Does it look like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> It's nice when somebody gives word for word the answer we're looking for. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Okay, this, is, this should be easy. Biblical meditation is not just looking at words, but for what? Anybody have a hint of an idea what this might ask? Biblical meditation is not just looking at words, but for, it's one of the reasons for biblical meditation. We're looking for your, your, your cl- yes. Closeness. That's, that's close. No pun intended. We're looking, we're looking for God behind the word. In other words, what's inspiring those words? What's driving those words? Pastor will refer to this often as the, the character of God revealed in Scripture. You know, as you spend time in Scripture, you get to know the real true character of God. I think that's really what Womack is saying here. Anybody have any questions? This was a rather short lesson, rather concise, but anyone have any questions at all? Nothing? Do you have anything you want to... Meditation to me is whenever I, I pray with God silently over a problem. Say that again. Meditation is when I pray to God quietly by myself in a quiet you know, time, pray to God for a solution yes. for a problem. Do scriptures come to mind at all? Do you, do you, do you I meditate do reflect. On? I do go back and I find the ones that pertain to right. it. Uh, That's important. I think, yes, I, I, I've had a similar experience where um, a lot of the Christian stores will stock these little booklets about you know, God's promise on a certain topic. And I found them to be really helpful if you're going through something or you're dealing with some situation. And what they'll do really often is have, they've done the study for you. And so all you have to do is read the pertinent scriptures and reflect on those over and over and over again. And you'll start to get that rhema, that word of knowledge from God as to what he's trying to do to you or, or work in you through that situation. And that section of scripture, where to look. Yes, indeed. And I use Google a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she said she uses Google a lot. Uh, so she brought up a good point on uh, meditating with God. In other words, we're, we're connecting with God. We're contacting God behind the word. Meditation, a lot of times, is just basically our connection to him and our fellowship with him. And that's what you're talking about, about praying silently. I will, I will share something with everybody based on that. I grew up most of my life as a, you know, up till maybe in my 20s, I believe, where I thought this was praying to God. And whatever I thought was praying, but as you get into the scriptures and you actually meditate on the word, you find out that prayer is not prayer without actually speaking physically out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I can think it all day long, and yes, the Lord gets it, but that's not prayer. A prayer that's in authority must be spoken. There, There is power in speaking the words and praying to God out loud. Now, I can pray out loud just like this, where nobody can hear me. And I can pray very lightly, but I need to be speaking the words. I can't just close my mouth, have my mouth closed, and be praying. That's not praying. I'm not declaring. I'm not proclaiming. I'm not decreeing anything doing that. Now, I can meditate by just thinking and rolling over. There's a verse called, I don't know if you ever mentioned this word, um, ruminating. Mm -hmm. Um, Does anybody know what ruminating is? What is it? Mull over or think about. Yeah. Yes, it's a very appetizing <laughs> word <laughs> to regurgitate or re-chew. So in other words, they'll eat 
eat, 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 swallow. <laughs> They'll get some goody out of nutrition out of it, and then they will regurgitate it. They will chew on it again and again. Now, this might not be the most appetizing. However, what they do is very efficient because they get all the good, all the nutrition out of the food that they're getting. Spiritually, this is what we should be doing. We come in like on, just to give you an example, we come in on Sunday morning. The word is preached. Faith is built up. We, we might have uh, had our vision expanded based off a of revelation that might be preached. So that's good on that day. But if you don't go back on Sunday afternoon and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and, and regurgitate that, ruminate on it, sit on it, meditate on it, then you're not going to get everything that there is to get out of it. Matter of fact, uh, most of the time when I've had revelations come about has been when I've taken a message and I've listened to it for the second and third and fourth time. And if you will esteem the speaker uh, not talking about a pastor, but the Holy Spirit behind a pastor or the Holy Spirit in the word. If you will esteem that, he will. the Holy Spirit will, in meditation and prayer over that, he will drive depths and bring out revelations that you've never seen before. He'll, and that way, now you're expanding your vision and expanding your faith to levels that you could not reach without meditation. And this is why in Joshua, uh, did you mention Joshua? No. I was a couple of minutes late today. Um, in Joshua, it says, remember, remember the word, remember the law, and meditate on it day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous. So a lot of people are not being prosperous in their lives because they're not spending time ruminating, meditating on those things. And one of the great things that you brought out is that one word, you know, if we don't know what that one word is, we don't know what the sentence is. If we don't know what the sentence really means, we don't know what the paragraph really means. If we don't know what the paragraph, we might even miss the whole point of the chapter mm -hmm. based on one word, much less all of them. So who in here is a Hebrew and Greek scholar? <laughs> so in other words, if you don't know Hebrew and Greek, do you really know what your Bible's saying? Now, should that scare you? Well, not today. Not today, because there's a bunch of different tools out there. But the, basically, there's a tool called the concordance. A lot of people will use a Strong's concordance and used to, man, I'd have to lay that out on my desk, and it'd be like, all right, what's this word, faith? Faith, you know, means uh, in the Greek word, it's like 49, Strong's numbers like 4982, yeah. Pistis, I believe is what it's called, and it talks about what faith is, right? And then is, well, I might not know what is means, you know, <laughs> the substance. I need to know what substance, and if I get in there, I learn that substance is the support or the backing power, you see? So you, if you don't know what those words mean and what they meant in the original language, you might miss the whole thing. So what we've had in our society is a lot of people that just went off of the English side of that, they don't even know that the Greek was very expressive. They don't understand the, the all-out nature of that language. You see, in the New Testament, it was written in Greek and Aramaic. So they might not understand all of that, 
And so then they miss the whole point, or they might not see the fullness of the nature of God. So you today have some technology at your hands that the majority of the world has never had, the majority of time, and that's in the Strong's Concordance. Not just Strong's, there's other ones, there's Young's Concordance, and I would, there's a program that I've used for years on the computer, on the iPad and phone called eSword, you can get that and instantly you have all of the English words connected with the original Greek and Hebrew word and you can start looking at those words and then meditating on them and finding out what they mean. For example, here's a great point of that. How many people have ever seen like in the Old Testament where it says the Lord smote somebody? Anybody ever seen a verse that read like that? Mm -hmm. All right. So they're kind of all over the place in the Old Testament. And so because of that, because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of meditation on the character and nature of God and not taking the whole counsel of the word, word then what we, you know, maybe they didn't take the counsel of Hebrews 1.3 that said Jesus was the exact representation and character and nature of the Father. So in other words, everything was fulfilled in Jesus. So in the Old Testament, when the adulterous woman was brought before Jesus, I mean brought before God, what would have happened to her? They'd have stoned her. But in the New Testament, they bring her before Jesus who was the fullness and the completion of who God is, the completion of the picture of the heart of God. He said, I don't accuse you either, go and sin no more. So without seeing the fullness in the Old Testament, there was a lot of stuff that said, you know, God smote this person, this, this thing. Well, if we go back to the original Hebrew language, there were some verb tenses there. And the uh, verb tense in that one, uh, it was, I believe it was Robert Young in the Young's Concordance that pointed this out, and then he wrote about this. There's many verb tenses. One mean, there in, in many instances where that looks like that, where God smote somebody, one means that he did it. Like he purposefully put his hand to it. And the other one means he allowed it. Well, when in the garden that he had to, he gave authority over to who? Mankind, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, once he handed authority over, he had to allow things because he, he can't go, oh, here's authority. Nope, it's mine. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not taking it back or else he would have never given it in the first place. That's not his character. So he had to allow certain things until he could bring about a Savior, which is why he had to send Jesus as, as a man, so that man could go in his authority and take back from the devil what he had taken. So... In other words, what you see in the Old Testament, in particular, uh, in I believe it's in Exodus, there's a particular verse that shows where uh, they were having the uh, curse that was on the firstborn. And in one verse, it literally says God smote the firstborn and killed them. But a couple of chapters later, it tells that story again, and it says that the destroyer came and killed them. Well, that looks like contradiction. That looks like it's not lining up. But what's actually happened is we've gotten into the Word and we've understood some of the original languages and, and we've had people that have meditated on the Word. You find that that first verse was not a causative. It wasn't God actually doing it. It was God. Then you com 
combine that with the fullness of of his nature revealed in Jesus, you see he never wanted to do that. And you see that this was not God doing it, this was God allowing it. And now all of a sudden you see lots of the Bible that other people have said have been contradictory actually lining up. And what does it come from? Meditation. Yeah, it comes from getting in there, studying, spending time with God, getting to know who he is, spending time knowing his heart, knowing his direction. So meditation is huge, absolutely huge. Good, good job. And I think there's also a certain humility with which you have to approach Bible study that even though you think you might already know something or you've, you, you've studied it out and you think you reached the full knowledge of it, and like Pastor said, after so many months or weeks or years or whatever, you come back and visit that again, you may get a whole new level of understanding. So never approach the study thinking, I already know all this, I'm, I'm good on this, you know. So keep a, a certain humility about it. Yeah. You can tell them in the mic, but yeah. that's like the Reset series. If you go back to the Reset series right now, you would hear stuff you did not hear. Right, right, yeah. So if you, if it, he was saying, if you revisit some of the, different sermons and things that, that have been delivered here, and, and especially something critical and foundational like the Reset series, you, you may think you've already heard all that there is to hear. If you listen to it two, three, four times maybe even, you'll hear and maybe get revelation on something that you totally never heard before. And, and a lot of times we've seen, you know, there's a certain miracle that takes place where you may hear something out of that message that was really never even spoken in that message. So, you know, God may specifically deliver a word to you after you visited it two or three times that you weren't ready to hear that first time around. So, yeah, very important. Well, good. That's all we've got. Let's uh, I'm just go to God in prayer real quick and dismiss us. Lord, we just thank you that uh, you've given us so much word of wisdom here. We just ask that this becomes an empowerment to us, an encouragement to us to understand your true nature and your character. We just give you thanks today for learning this. We give you thanks for your word that we have here freely in this country. We can just open it and read it and learn about you and walk it out. We just ask your blessing on this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you later at 11 o'clock.